Welcome to Looking for the Ocean, where we talk about everything Pixar has ever made and what they haven't made and what it means to us. I'm getting. What do you mean they haven't made? Oh, that's right. Can I finish the intro? Can I finish the intro, bro? Please. Bro, don't put so many pauses in your intro. I don't even know who you are. Who are you? Okay. Who are you? I didn't even say your I'm name. Mark. I'm Danny Vincent, and as always, I'm joined by Mark Young. There we go. All right. Hello. And today we're talking about right. a film that isn't a Pixar movie. See how quick, see how quick you could have waited to hear what I meant by the intro if you just let me finish what I was saying. Well, we got to keep the energy up. You were, you, you sounded like, <laughs> you sounded like Julius at the end of the lava episode when it lava. was like there's nothing left to live for. And I, I am sorry because that might be partially my fault because I am here, I'm here 30 minutes late. Yes. After a rehearsal, and I'm sorry about that. Yes. But yeah. Yeah. We're talking about All planes right. two. Planes two. We're here. Fire and rescue. Let's roll. Planes two. We're here. Planes two. Planes, planes two. two. I watched the short planes film two. also called Vita Mulch Air Spectacular. Uh, we're not going to put in the episode title because it sucked, and I don't think Mark even watched mm. it. But you know what? I've seen it now. I know I've seen all the planes universe guys. Yeah. Isn't there a second? short that you proposed to me but then you might have ended up well not watching. I, I proposed it because there were letterbox pages for it, but i had no idea where they were they weren't on the dvd so i was like i'm not going to the trouble of finding these other short films i don't care these aren't pixar films anyway okay. we're just covering them because they're part of the franchise um well, maybe that'll be a special bonus episode in some distant whatever you know anyway planes 2 it's the story of dusty crop hopper once again but this time he's getting old or something like that. He's got some stuff lodged Ooh, in his engine. I don't think engine. he's getting old. But we can give the synopsis. I mean, what, what's his deal? All right, so we we come back to Dusty Croppopper after his mm-hmm. um his exploits in Planes One, the classic film Planes One, and he's become mm-hmm. a hot shot plane racer, which is a thing in the world of cars. Which, by the way, this movie does not open with World of Cars. Very big disappointment. They learned their lesson. Very big disappointment to me that they did not need to connect us to the Cars universe. It does, however, open with a dedication to all the firefighters who lost their lives, and then you get the Disney logo. I feel like it was a little intense, yeah. probably for the four-year-olds watching this, which was the main audience for this in theaters. Um, but anyway, I don't think four-year-olds know what the little best little whorehouse in Texas is. Yeah, I, there's also a couple over jokes in there. I was like, all right, okay. <laughs> um, but anyway, Dusty is a racer. He's just racing around, having fun, and then all of a sudden, his gearbox breaks, and it's like, if you push it again, buddy, you're gonna crash and die. And so he decides to become a firefighter instead. And that's basically the plot of it. How Holbrook's here? He's great. Ed Harris is here. Also okay. Yeah. Um. Wow, not a fan of Ed Harris. Well, I think I, I, he grew on me, but. <laughs> So when Hal Holbrook showed up, I was like, oh, man, this is like a good celebrity voice acting for us. I just see the character. This is great. And then Ed Harris showed up. I was like, oh, well, there's Ed Harris. And eventually I used to Ed Harris being there. But at first I was like, there's Ed Harris, you know, which isn't as fun as like going, oh, wow, who's the voice actor they got for this role? It's Hal Holbrook, you know? Yeah. I'm so glad that they gave the fire engine a, a role after we, I think I mentioned after the first planes that we were like, why is this guy here, you know? He has all these moments that seem like he should, you know, be a bigger character. And now we know why, because they were saving him for Planes Fire and Rescue to be voiced by Hal Holbrook. And tell Did us about his life. But any- anyway. Hmm? Did he have lines in the first one? I think one? he had lines. Yeah, he had lines. I actually don't know if he was voiced by Hal Holbrook. He was Holbrook, not voiced by but... Hal Holbrook. That's not like very fun by the I don't remember this being a thing, but okay. I'll trust you on it. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I don't remember, but he had like a few lines and we talked about, well, why is there this fire engine that dresses like he's Scottish and he see, it seems like there's a story there, but you know, he, I mean, I'll be real. Really I feel explored. like this might be, I think this might be an elaborate bit. So I'm going to go along with it instead of point it out because I feel like you've been like, huh, there's a fire truck in Planes 1 and I know the sequel is called Planes Fire and Rescue. I wonder if this will become important. It feels like a decent bit anyway. Like if there's just a fire truck in the background, you pointed it out and we're like, this guy seems like he might have something else going on here. I'm just saying. But no, but it wasn't related to him being Scottish, which seemed to be his defining trait in uh, Planes 1. 
and so still they left they left something to be resolved in place three. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, his gearbox breaks. He decides to become a firefighter, and that's basically the movie. John Michael Higgins is here playing a second car in the car cinematic universe. Good job, buddy. Uh, you are the Gemma he? Chan of the Cars universe. Or alternatively, the Michelle Yeo of the Cars universe. I don't care. Mm. Pick Shang-Chi or Eternals, whichever one you want to, MCU fans. You'll get the reference. Who was John Michael Higgins? John Michael Higgins was in Time Travel Mater as Stanley. Remember I complained about how bad he was in that? I was like, John Michael Higgins was terrible casting for Stanley in this. And here I'm like, ah, John Michael Higgins. Here he is doing his thing, being the character that Nathan Fillion appears as in Cars 3. But it's John Michael Higgins instead. All right. Oh, and because John Michael Higgins is the guy that is not Fred Willard. Yes, he's the bad guy. Yes. Okay, okay. Uh, but, I mean, but that's also, like, kind of who John Michael Higgins is, is the guy who's not Fred Willard, you know? All right. I'm not going to try the speeder on this episode because it might hurt my gearbox. But I only really have okay. a few notes. I'll be really right. I only have a few notes. Um, really? Mostly positive? Only a few uh, negative comments? Uh, I think it's, a, it's obviously an improvement on the first movie, but it's still, like... It's still not good. It's just like, ah, all right, this yeah. is competent. And it has a couple interesting ideas, but then it also has, you know, Wes Studi as a as a Native American stereotype in the Cars universe, you know? Uh, yeah. But then, it, even then, it's like, okay, so there's one stereotype and you're compared to an entire cast of stereotypes. I guess this is an improvement. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's also, what else was I going to say about Planes 2? What I found was very interesting about this film and why I was initially going, like, for the first hour of this, I was actually surprisingly very engaged in it. And then once it gets to, like, that third act set piece, I was like, okay, I don't really care about any of these people. And then, like... Really? And then at the end when it was like, oh, he has to do the thing to go really fast and possibly damage his gearbox to show he'll sacrifice himself. I was like, okay, cool. Kill off Dane Cook. Do it. Do it, movie. And then they did the worst possible thing and negated the entire point of the film. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. I was going to have one of my little things where I was like, if I rewrote the movie and I didn't just watch the movie that we both just watched, then it could mean that he actually has a choice to become a firefighter or, or stay a firefighter versus going back to racing. But, yeah, you're right. It just kind I mean, of I don't know. I think this movie reminds be. me of a much better film titled Sound of Metal, which stars Riz Ahmed, <laughs> and I always humble brag I was at the world premiere of it, but also it's a good movie. <laughs> uh, have you seen Sound of Metal, Mark? Yeah. I've, I mean, Great we've film. talked about it, haven't we? Great film. Uh, it's, it's a, I think we've... It's a film it's about... the best one of those movies that I think could be made, you know? It's a film about someone who is suddenly out of their control, hit with a... Dehelibating condition. I don't want to say disability because we had a whole discourse about that recently. I don't want to open that up again. Uh, but yeah. he suddenly like has this massive life change that's completely out of his control. He needs to readjust and find new meaning in life. And that is what Planes Fire and Rescue is about. <laughs> and then yeah. at the end it's like, JK, we have a miracle cure. <laughs> and it's like, alright, well, all the interesting stuff of this movie to me was like exploring mortality in the cards universe of Oh shit! You can I get mean, sick and sick and be not repaired in the Cars universe. Oh no! People die in like horrible accidents in the Cars universe. And I was like, this is so fascinating to me that this movie is like outright like being like Dusty Crawford is making a joke. Ed Harris goes, "If you make a joke like that in the field, you'll be dead." And it's not like mm-hmm. funny that he says that. It's just a fact of life. And that is what I like about yeah. Planes, Fire, and Rescue. I think it does. I mean, the first point has some of that too with the World War II flashback stuff, but it's not to the same extent of this where it's like, nah, man, these fires are dangerous. And if you're not paying attention, you're going to kill everyone. And it's like, mm-hmm. dang, I really like that aspect of it. And then the ending of the movie I... is Dusty Croppopper just gets a magical fix, and it's like, you can be a racer and a firefighter, man. I'm just like, this is dumb. I got mad. <laughs> I didn't get mad. I was just yeah. like, well, the whole point of this got negated. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that you enjoyed the first part of the film more than the last part, because I think that once they get rid of Brad Garrett's character, the whole thing becomes like a billion times better. 
I think that's oh. the genius of Fire and Rescue is that they actually just get rid of the old cast. But see, what I actually think is brilliant. Oh, I don't better. mind that stuff. I think once mm-hmm. once Dusty Crop Poffer and Ed Harris have their argument, and like Ed Harris appears to die, and you're like, oh no, Ed Harris, and it turns out J.K. He's fine. He's fine too. Um, yeah. But when he dies, I immediately was like, all right, I lost interest. Even when he came back, I was like, I'm not. I, you lost me, movie. Ed Harris is my hero. Also, inexplicably, built first on Letterboxd for this movie over Dane Cook, but you know what? He is a better actor, so I can't complain. Um, but, well, wait, wait, wait. So, wait, this, this didn't Julius say that Dane Cook had been in a lot of movies? Okay, but Ed Harris is still a bigger deal, I'd say. Ed Harris is a bigger yeah. celebrity guest star than anyone in the first movie. I I mean I don't know I think Hal Holbrook is a bigger guest in the first star movie though I'm Harris. talking about in the first movie and then Hal Holbrook isn't a co lead like Ed Harris is the closest we have to co lead in this movie whereas the first one was Stacy mm-hmm. Keach I also wanted to wait wait I want to push back on Brad Garrett because I think this movie does something that's so incredibly interesting to me that Cars three doesn't do Cars one ever, none of the Cars movie ever tends to do Zimmer, which is that Brad Garrett calls him up and goes son. There's there's no way we can fix you. I'm I'm so sorry. And it's just played entirely straight. And that's one of the moments <laughs> of this movie. I was like, dang, this is devastating. Your comic relief character is just saying, there is no hope for you, kid. And I, I really <laughs> like that about this. And that's why I was like, dang, this movie goes hard, kind of. But then, you know, around the end, it's like, oh, no, it doesn't. We have to have the big... It has to all end perfectly, and we have to have the thing where it's like, he can do anything he wants to do, because he's Dusty Cropper. And I was like, no, I thought it was interesting him being like, I have to find a second career. I have to find a new meaning in my life. And he found it, and the movie took it away. And, and we're back. Sorry, everyone. I'll repeat you something. I, making a re- Patrick, I made a Patrick Warburton impression and yelled chop, so that's what you missed. And if any audio professionals are listening in the audience, can you tell me why that little thing is going the fuck on what why is this happening i don't have the money to fucking like to test all this shit um i don't know the seaweed is always bigger somebody else's lake you dream about going up there but that is a big mistake you're right i should be happy with what i have and what i've learned here so that's why there might have been just a weird cut just now look at me i'm chris pine being a villain I don't. I have not. I haven't seen that movie. I haven't seen Elemental. Well, you'll have to watch Elemental eventually, so you might as well just wait. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I saw Trolls three today. Oh. I skipped Wish for Trolls three. I like the Trolls Hmm. movies. They're movies that you forget about an hour later, but while you watch them, you just smile. Hmm. Like, okay. it, the movie ends with a chase scene of just Amy Schumer singing Sweet Dreams Are Made of These. What's not to like? Mm-hmm. Anyway, Amy Schumer's yeah. been canceled. Much like this tangent. Mark, tell me about Planes, Fire, and Rescue. Planes, Fire, and Rescue? I like that this was a movie about something. I like that, you know, it doesn't have something on its mind, but it is about fire and rescue planes, which I actually find kind of compelling, you know? Yeah. Like, it's, you get to... You get to watch a job happen. That's kind of nice. And I you know they're not doing anything new. They're doing Rescue Rangers and they're doing a trillion other kids shows. But it is, you know, for us, if you, you give your kid what we're watching, which is a diet completely full of Pixar movies, then <laughs> That's what I'm it's, a do. Ni- no, I'm <laughs> it's a nice it's a nice addition to that. Here, okay, Child okay. tries to watch a movie, the dreamers movie. Get that out of your head. <laughs> I have a question for you, based on what you said. If you you have a have a child, what Pixar movie are you showing them first? Whichever one they put on first when I'm out in the room, I assume. Oh, I mean okay. the actual so answer is like Toy Story. Ah, uh, Toy Story one. Why? You got to start. Just and, start. There's the not really an emotional hearts of Toy Story one. Just a good movie. You but know? not like Coco or something like that? No, Coco's too sad. If it was something mm-hmm. else besides Sorcerer, I feel like it'd be, have to be like Finding Nemo. Even though Finding Nemo's sad, it's not sad to kids. You know? Yeah, I feel so, like Finding Finding Nemo yeah. is a good answer because that would probably be my answer because that's what was it was for me was was Finding Nemo. So, um, but yeah. But, I just didn't know if you had a plan or something like no, that. No, I don't have any. I see your plan is just to park your child in front of the television well, and, you know, Disney Plus. let them no. turn on 
you know, let them watch Logan or something like that. I hurt myself today, Gorg. <laughs> Like but yeah, more goofy. Um, um, the, the simple pleasures of this made me wonder what I'm missing out on by not like not watching those movies where Mark Wahlberg is working on an oil rig or something like that. Can I tell you a really funny story about this weekend? It's related it, wow. to what you just said. Okay, <laughs> go, so I go saw for the it. Hunger Games, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, and I'm there with my mom. All right, uh-huh. we're getting the trailers. Uh, I, I pulled my list of trailers, but I can tell you it was all stuff. My mom was like, that looks terrible. Like Aquaman. No, thank you. Planet of the Apes. So I was like, I like those movies, but eh, you know, like I'll see that with you or, or I won't see that at all. You know, the Mean Girls mm-hmm. remake. Why are they remaking Mean Girls? Because the trailer doesn't show it's a musical. And then the very last, oh, and then there's a horror movie. Ajima, I was not interested. And then all of a sudden a trailer begins with Mark Wahlberg and he's basically just running and it's like, he's running a marathon and they come across a dog that runs the marathon with them. And my mom immediately sits up. But then as soon as this trailer like, actually begins to be like begin in earnest, basically 10 people walk in to sit right in front of us, but then they stay standing for the entire 90 seconds of the trailer. And my mom is like, get down. And I was so upset. She's like, I'm trying to watch this dog movie trailer. I want to see this movie trailer. And it was really, honestly, as someone who goes to the movies often, it was very bizarre that they just all just <laughs> kept standing there. I was like, you guys can't, like, I think they were looking for their exact seats each, but it was like, there were clearly a party of, like, ten, and they knew their seats, so they should have just sat down instead of like, no, no, this one's mine, this one's mine, this one, and I was just like, what's going on here? This is crazy. Yeah. So your mom and my mom was really annoyed because she wanted to see that Mark Wahlberg movie. The Family Plan, or whatever it is? It was at a Cinemark. It wasn't an AMC. There's no AMCs by my parents' place. I went to a Cinemark for um, Hunger Games. Oh, my dad's Jesus take on Hunger Christ. Games was it was too manipulative and depressing. Why would the kids kill other kids? I don't know. Wow. That's, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's the real question, isn't it? You know? Actually, That's, really uh, funny one. Wait, wait, another funny story with the Hunger Games is because we're here. Is my mom leans over to me like 15 minutes in and is like, "Oh, this is about Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, right?" And I go, "No, mom, <laughs> this is about Donald Sutherland's character." And she goes, "Oh, okay." Which I feel like was a very good thing because I think my dad hated it because he didn't know that. And I think my mom, I think he was probably on the same page as my mom, but my dad wasn't by me during the movie, and so I think he got annoyed by the end when like. Spoiler alert that the dictate the, the origin story for the dictator in the Hunger Games movies ends up becoming evil. Um but my mom was like and she was like, it was depressing, but I thought it was weirdly mesmerizing and I was like, I thought it was great too. I like the new Hunger Games movie. I it's probably the I don't understand the reviews being mixed. Highly recommended for people who are looking for a blockbuster right now. As someone who's seen most of the blockbusters of the last month. I haven't seen Napoleon yet though. Ah. Uh, anyway. Do you I mean, is Donald Sutherland not there to be like, I remember when I was a boy. Uh, They play archive audio at one point at the very end of the movie. Spoiler alert, I guess, that there's archive audio of Donald Sutherland at the very end of the Hunger Games movie. I don't consider that a spoiler, honestly. Is he not still alive? Maybe he's I mean, but why would he record a new line? It's just he echoes a line that he has in the original movies. Well, like I mean, that's what, but that's what I'm saying is I don't know why it doesn't start with this frame story Actually, to tell you who can this I tell you what's insane is. about the new Hunger Games movie? I'm sorry that we're tangent on Hunger Games movie because I didn't want Planes to Planes 2, the new Hunger Games movie. Uh, but Rachel Zegler in that movie, right? I, okay. I, have you seen any footage of this movie, like trailers that are all for it? Because I've seen trailers, but I don't think I ever saw anything with her in it particularly. Have you? No, I know she was in it, but I mean, she's she, just kind of... She starts you know. talking... She's great. She's, everyone in the movie's great, honestly. Uh, Jason Swartman's plays Stanley Tucci, and it's so fun. Um, mm. But he does this... I'm sorry, Rachel Zegler. She's there. It's like, okay, cool. Like, her first thing you hear of her is her singing, and it's like, okay, cool, whatever. And then she starts talking. And... She has, like, a thick Holly Hunter southern accent the entire movie. But, like, she nails it. She, she never breaks character. It sounds legit. But also, like, I'm so used to seeing, like, I saw West Side Story and I see her give interviews all the time. And it's just like, whoa, okay. Like, dialect for her. Good, good job, I guess. I, I, Katniss yeah. doesn't have this in the original, so I don't know why you're doing it. But it's okay. <laughs> 
Well, that's before they, you know, the Hunger Games were a thing. Is it the story about the first it's Hunger the story Games? Of the, so the story is about the 10th Hunger Games when people are starting to lose interest. And so they're trying to ro- make people want to watch it because there's no real point if no one's watching. I, well, I, woo, I, actually, I know, it's actually I, really I interesting. That's it's actually... Very, a it's nice a very setup. fascinating movie, honestly. As someone who, like, I, I assume if you read the book, it's not. Cause I'm, it, to me, what was really interesting about it was like, okay, cool. This is all this interesting world building where, like, it all kind of makes sense. It's a blockbuster that's, like, clearly inspired by, like, it's a weird thing to say as someone who does not like the Star Wars prequels, but it's interesting to see someone try that again. You know? Like, mm. let's see if we can oh, make a movie yeah. that's, like, the fall, like, the origin story of our villain. And unlike Darth Vader, where Darth Vader's like, you know, Darth Vader's a acting figure, this is just creepy old Donald Sutherland. Mm. Also, the lead of it, Tom Blythe, incredible. I've never seen him in anything. I was mm. My weird thought of it, which is like, just doesn't make much sense, but it makes sense to me, is that it, it, I'm going to sound problematic when I explain why, but I thought mm. Tom Blythe was a much more exciting discovery than Austin Butler and Elvis. And the reason I say that is because I feel like it's very rare nowadays that you get a completely unknown young white dude to lead your movie because there's so many known white dudes to pick. You know, that that's kind mm. of my thought on that is like, and I feel like that was it with Austin Butler and that's it here. And I thought Tom Blythe was like, holy, like, whoa, like, where, where'd this come I mean, from? I d- where'd this guy come from? I don't from? know. He came from Billy kinda, the Kid, an epic show. I think I disagree with your premise because I feel like that's fair. I feel like, like a every premise. movie out now has like a trillion white people in it. But I, you know, I if you haven't seen Tom Blythe before, great for Tom well, Blythe. Well, I He's... looked at no, but I looked at his page, and it's like it's an epic show, an epic show, which no one has epics, as far as I know. And then he had a side role in Men Addiction that I do not remember at all, and I've seen Men Addiction. <laughs> where where are our breakout Quibi stars? <laughs> I mean, to be fair with Austin Butler, I knew Austin Butler worked his way up. It just he never had like a big role like Elvis, um, yeah. or like, and it's not like you know. Some people initially I was like, well, Jacob Elordi, and I was like, Jacob Elordi just is on Euphoria. Just because you don't watch Euphoria doesn't make it a big deal. <laughs> like you know, like this guy came from somewhere clearly. Oh, Jacob Elordi was on Euphoria. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. I have noticed that now that we're kind of in this moment of the Euphoria pack. You well, know. I think- I think what happened was, is COVID hit, right? And now all these stars that were kind of antsing to, like, become stars, just kind of, like, there was a floodgate after COVID ended of all these people, like, Sydney Sweeney's doing, like, a bunch of movies now. And, like, you know, it's like all these people just came out of nowhere. It's like, these people would have become stars in 2020, but there's a backlog. And so all the people who were, like, how Ayo Idabiri was in so many movies this year, right? And, like, how Rachel Sanad is having a moment, too. And, like, all these actors should have had their moments separately, but instead they're having them all at once because there's such a floodgate of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, Planes. Planes. Yeah. Oh, Hunger no, no, Games no, movie, sorry. go see it. Just... Hunger Games. Yes. <laughs> the Hunger Games, The Ballad of Fire and Rescue. <laughs> the Ballad of Fire and Rescue. Um, I also liked about Fire and Rescue. I liked Jerry the death Stiller. part that you you mentioned. Who did Jerry Stiller play? Uh, Harvey I saw him. and Winnie. Harvey. Well, Winnie was someone else, but you know the, the oh. RV couple, Harvey and Winnie, which I was actually it, thought were. It I was wasn't like, him oh, and his wife, fun, was it? Those are fun pun names, you know. Mm-hmm. It wasn't him and his wife, was it? Because I, why do I feel like they were a thing, but then his like his wife died before he did, and. Um, it was his wife. It was his wife, actually. I didn't realize that. Oh, okay. Is this her go. final role before she died? Which is really sweet. I actually oh, thought well, they were sweet go. in general. I liked them a lot, actually. I was like, yeah. these guys are nice. <laughs> also, and I it's think... something where Harvey and Winnie, like, I'm so used to like the cars playing puns being bad, but this guy sounds like, oh, these are like they're like they're obviously what they are, you know, but it's like they're nice. I like them. Also, like, Regina King is in this movie. I have no idea who she was. <laughs> I mean, she I does everything. Those those construction worker cars aren't super memorable. I like that Harvey and Winnie seem to have experienced the greatest amount of peril that I have seen in a Cars movie. Have I said that already? I feel <laughs> no, like every time something talk, crazy. We haven't talked about Harvey and Winnie yet. <laughs> well, I mean, we haven't we haven't talked about Harvey and Winnie. I just mean like in the world of cars, you know, has something more perilous happened. I, mean, I feel I don't like know. that's something I say. Like, I feel wow, like I haven't Mater seen being killed, chased. Kill each other I yet, you feel know? like Cars 3 has, Cars 3 has a lot of violence in it. 
Carson's, yeah. It's like Mater has a bomb strapped to his chest at one point and just oh. goes, ah, no, get away from me. Yeah, maybe that's where I'm getting my deja vu from is when they compact the guy at the beginning of Cars. But I don't know why you weren't a big fan of the set piece because that's what I loved. I really thought, like, they're going to die. There's just no way well, that Dusty Crop Hopper is going to save the day because they end up on a bridge in a in a canyon in the middle of a fire and then he's got to go get them and I'm just like, the, the where both I'm ends be, of the bridge are on the fire. The most annoying I'm going to be today, which is that, I'll be real, first half of this movie, I was actually really impressed with the low-budget animation. I thought the smoke looked so good and the, the vistas mm-hmm. look so great. But then as soon as we like get to this third act, it's like, everything's actually on fire. Like, oh yeah, fire always looks bad in CGI and they don't have a budget to try to make it look good. And so that's when all of a sudden its budget really rears its head to me. Which mm-hmm. is annoying, I guess, in a way that I'm letting this ruin the movie for me, but also it's planes too, so I don't really care. <laughs> like, wow. like, you know... <laughs> Danny can excuse racism, but not bad CGI fire. Do you know who my favorite side character was? Who? Dipper? No. I I'm mean, like, side character, people. side character. Not Patrick Warburton, either. Uh, the guy that knows about the deer population? No. I'm just going to tell you. It's Kevin Michael Richardson, who's a great voice actor. Always fun to see him pop up. He has the Ooh. role of the, uh... He has the role as the, uh... This it means serious trouble, guy. I don't remember what it actually oh, stood for, man. but that guy. I, just, I <laughs> you know, you know, I kind of thought it was him, but not like he's he's my favorite Joker, actually. Oh, like personally, as much as I love well, Heath Ledger, he's like if y'all don't know, I don't know. It would be kind of weird to look. He's the star of my of conspiracy theory that I've already given several times on this podcast. So. Kevin Michael Richardson, the conspiracy He voices Gantu. <laughs> he voices Gantu in the stitch. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So he's <laughs> we, he's shown up already, and we've talked about how great oh, he is. Oh, yeah, he's in Matrix but, Revolutions as well. Of course he is. Like, wh- why why not? He's just a great um, actor. Oh, and he was... He we, he came, no, he came up because he has, like, a camp... Well, he's been in, like, probably all the movies we've watched. Let's be real here. <laughs> he's, like, a constant yeah. additional voices guy. <laughs> Which is yeah, fine. Would... It's a, it's great work, you know. I and he's got a great voice, like, you know. Yeah, I he's he's a guy that I'd love to do like a little bio of, you know, just to, I don't know what his life is like, but he really has done a lot of things that I love. But anyway, so I uh, you know, and again, I think I think we said that the voice acting in Planes One was pretty good, and I felt that way about this one too. I think in this one there are oh, sirens going off. I don't hear. Talk about Julie well, Bowen. Okay, uh, Julie Bowen. Julie Bowen's great. Yeah, I just keep naming people that I thought were great. I think there's a great moment in this one too, where there is a back and forth between Dipper and Dusty Crophopper, Julie Bowen, and Dane Cook, where it really sounds like they're jumping over each other's lines, and it sounds like they're really like you know, right next to each other. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's the the production value of getting two people in a room, perhaps. But I don't know, that's just a little impressive thing. I also, you know, this is something that is a me thing and it's, you know, not really something I think is great or that other people would share. But I like when they go to the bar and it's just like, a string of puns. They go to this. I don't even remember why they Pick go to the trucks, bar. Pickup trucks, eh? Yeah, this this truck is hitting on a car, and then he leaves, and she's like, "Ah, oh, pickup trucks." I got, and the I... the bar is called Honkers, and <laughs> there's just like that's that's just what that scene is. I think it's when Dusty Crophopper first breaks his engine or or whatever, and he's like, "What am I gonna do?" So they go out drinking. And it's like a montage, and there are trucks square dancing and stuff like that. That that's pleasant to me. I like the chops video. Yeah. Uh, although this I was is... a little, I, I felt like Ed Harris's voice acting that I wanted him to go bigger on personally, mm-hmm. but that's fine. I thought it was cool yeah. to watch a Cars version of like a bad cop TV show. Like that was yeah, fun. We, have, we haven't really talked about some of the things in the plot that make this kind of an interesting movie and it's not like really interesting because it's just borrowing tropes from other things and reskinning them but they're so the helicopter 
that trains Dusty is Ed Harris. There's trains in this movie too, by the way. There are. I wanted to look up if I think that Muir is an actual like train brand. I will um, say this also. Uh, I had a note in this episode that I wanted to talk about Circle Seven, but we've already done that in the Ed Catmull episode, so we don't need to do it again. Yeah. Why did you want to talk? Because I meant to talk about it in the first one, and I forgot to. Um, but also, just a quick side note that's a completely random topic, because I've been staring at it for the last five minutes, is that there's an entire paragraph on the production side of this web, on the Wikipedia page, that's just about a single screening they had with Wes Studi talking about Native American themes in the film, and I feel like this is, like, something Disney has purposely put on the Wikipedia page, so they're not accused of it being a stereotype. Because I feel like this is like the one art time anyone interviewed Wes Studi about this movie. So they're like, look at all the work we did, guys. And there's like this one thing they did. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. It's a vibe yeah. I get. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I can't really speak about Wes Studi's career. But nice of them to make that <laughs> gesture, he's a great, I guess. He's a great, um, great actor, obviously. But yeah. That, I mean, like a lot of people of color, given some bad roles over the course of his career, mm-hmm. and some great roles too. I'm not saying like only bad roles, but you know what I mean, like some some rough roles among the. Great well, roles. and I and I'm sure that he would be like, you know, when I played this chief, it was like a great meaty part or whatever, you know. Oh yeah, he played Geronimo, an American legend. Well, he I mean, he played a lot of people, but I'm just thinking like I'm trying to remember who he played in Dances with Wolves, but he played. He was an like, avatar. Yeah, he was the. That's what I'm saying. Is he was like the the leader of the uh, the people in Avatar. I mean, I honestly forgot he had, has an honorary Oscar, which is cool. So yeah, no, he's he's a big he's like a big producer guy, and he used to be a rancher before he became an actor, which I think is really cool. Um, I have nothing but intense respect for. West studio. So. <laughs> you said you said that like I'm like attacking you. You're like, look. I have nothing but intense respect for Westie. I don't, I, now I don't know what the bit is that you've doubled down. There is no, it. there is no bit. I just have intense respect, man. Like the fire. Okay. In this film. It's intense. Uh, uh, yep. I, I, so I wanted to say that I love that there's a moment when they go into the garage secretly to watch old videos of uh what's what is his character's name ed harris is uh blade they, well, they watch ranger blade blade ranger they watch old videos of blade rangers chops uh, days on the film chops which is TV like a tv show cops, it's clearly a tv show but with helicopters excuse me but it's hmm? all contrabanded in bootleg vhs copies of howard the truck yeah and I love just, it. I love that. I don't know. To me, that I just kind of like groan. You know, not even not even that's bad. Just groan. Isn't isn't this in some ways like one of the most Pixar's Cars movies that we've seen in a while? I I'm pretty happy I mean, with what, this. Were we talking? I think we talk about next week, right, on the show about how like Pixar like leads into conservative ideas a lot. Uh, yeah, and I don't know, but, like, politically conservatives maybe, you know, kind of a stretch, but I mean, we did, we do, we will talk about in the episode that we recorded yesterday, which is coming out after this one, about how Pixar sometimes makes films that are, like, tech, like, phone bad, and these kids need to, like, go outside more, and don't teenagers suck, and that That's what this movie's about, teenagers are terrible. Planes. By the way, this is a detour! Detour! (laughs) Wahoo! Hey, Danny, I'll ask you about this later. Never mind. Why? I, you know, I I also enjoy... this, This is just a film, it's exactly like Toy Story of Terror. I mean, not Toy Story of Toy Story, Toy Story that Time Forgot, which is a movie that we haven't talked about yet, but I like it for the same reason. It's just, like, showing me things that are aesthetically pleasant to me. Like, oh, we can go up in the mountains and go to the lodge, and we can, like, hang out with all of these 
I mean, these okay. people in the woods and stuff, you know? I just gotta say, I like always looking up, like, what came out at the same time as the movie, and I'm looking at this right now, and it says that it opened the thir- number three in its first weekend to a movie that has the same type of imagery, but way better, which is Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um, I cannot I w- get behind the Planet of the Apes movies after the first one. Well, that's a shame, because I don't like the first one. The other two are good. Actually, that's not even true. The, th- the third one grew off on me, too. I just really like Dawn. Why? It's just good. I don't know what to tell you but about it, man. It's a good movie. The, Jason Clark. I remember I saw Jason. I rewatched Dawn of the Planet of the Apes for some reason, like at the beginning of July, like literally like around my birthday, and I was like, "Man, where did Jason Clark go?" And then literally like three weeks later, he was a meme because <laughs> of Oppenheimer. And I was like, "Great, there he is." Yeah, who was he in Oppenheimer? Was he? Dude, he's he the best the actor face? in Oppenheimer. He's my favorite performance in Oppenheimer. Is he the guy that? Is like why you tell me did why you, you did this or thing. did you not support the bomb? Oh yeah, okay. I, <laughs> I feel like I you might not like it because it's a big performance, but I really like it. It's really fun. No, to I me. like. I actually I like big performances. I just I'm never. He's just not on my radar. I I don't know. I need to watch this movie on uh, Showtime, maybe, but I don't have Showtime, so there you go. Maybe he's one of those guys that's so good. I just don't notice him because he blends into his parts. Whereas someone well, he's good in, like um, he's Brendan good in Fraser. Games. Who's like, my client has not been able to see me for three weeks. And everyone's like, what? You, see, you should watch Monkey Bone. <laughs> You're running pretty I, mean, I, I should watch that movie that I don't even remember if you had seen where he's in a band, you know? Oh, the one that's Didn't... impossible to find? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one that everyone should watch. The one that everyone kept telling me to watch, and I was like, "Look, there's literally like it's not renting anywhere. The library doesn't have it. I can't watch it. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not. Not not mm-hmm. becoming a yo ho. You know. Um, yeah. But anyway, um, yeah. yeah, I I think that this is another example in a film of something that we've talked about before where i mean it is it is like this thing where it's like is it technically politically conservative but you know ah but it's like oh man government oversight is here to shut down the the shitty fire safety in dusty crop hoppers hometown but then the film turns around and bring, brings in a car played by Fred Willard, who, who is the Secretary of the Interior, of, of the, which, which the guy stresses they, they, is they, they the United it, States of America. Like, I feel like when they say it, it's like, okay, that's a fun little joke, and you don't think you're going to actually see it, but no, it's a full-fledged character in the film. Yeah, but then and then he comes in and he's like a very level-headed political guy and he's listening yeah. to the little guy that knows about. But then you have deer. John Michael Higgins as like the evil park ranger. He's not. He's not evil. He's the super. He's not the park ranger. He's you're right, the you're superintendent. Right. He's superintendent. You're right, but he's evil. Yeah. He's, like, he's evil. Excuse yeah. me. What do you mean you need fire help? I have a lodge. It's literally yeah. all of his lines. Yeah, if we want to get down to it, and it's not just about how poorly written I think some of Brad Garrett's jokes are in the beginning, I think the film is frustrating because of how the motivations of certain characters don't make a whole lot of sense. Like that line that Blade Ranger says to Dusty at the end where he's like, if you give up being a police not a police what the fuck is he a a fire plane or whatever think of all the lives that you won't save tomorrow and i'm like is that it when you said that it reminds me of um the marvel cinematic universe and why it's failing right now oh because i remember i saw and cut me off i said this on the podcast like in february or march i think i might have honestly um but I remember seeing Ant Man the Wasp Quantumadia and immediately clocking what was wrong. And this was before Jonathan Majors was like, you know, we found out about him, right? Um mm-hmm. But there's a point in Ant Man the Wasp Quantumania where Kang is like, I am going to destroy every other I I'll leave your universe alone, but I'm gonna destroy every other universe. And Ant Man's like, No man, you can't do that. That's infinite lives lost but i'm like no because 
the way your this multiverse idea works is that in every universe where he wins, there's another universe where he loses. That's that's the whole point of what, what you're positing here in your multiverse thing. So it's just really stupid for me to be like, oh no, we have to save infinite lives because that doesn't follow the rules that you've set up here. And that's kind of what I feel like by that line too, where it's like, think of all the lives you're not saving by not helping after I trained you. No, that's the... T- it's just a dumb hypothetical, man. Like it really—that's not how. That's not how, like, um, the trolley problem works or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> were it not for the horrible class system of the Cars universe, maybe Dusty could go back home and be a a bartender or or. Do you something think that like if that, Dusty you know? was like a Pixar movie, they would have like done like a Marvel thing and had him like. Planes comes out before Cars 2, and then this happens at the end of Planes, and you get a crazy moment in Cars 2 where he has a heel face turn, and he comes as the Lemons main of Forge Story. He's like, Look what they did to my gearbox! Look at me! Look at! And Mater has to fight Dusty. I should write this. I should write this Planes V Cars. <laughs> and it's Dusty versus Mater. If, you're, if your play goes. If I ever really write my well Cars 2 2. Cars 2 and a half? No, no, no. I've pitched this before, haven't I? That I think the title of Cars 4 should be Cars 2 2 to make sure audiences are aware that it's going to ignore the third one from happening, much like the third one ignored the second one's happening <laughs> existence. And honestly, the second one kind of ignores the first one's existence. So, <laughs> but I would, but the third one acknowledges the first, so the fourth needs to acknowledge only the second. Right? Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like you have the Cars Pokemon black and white. And you choose which universe you want to exist in. Exactly. They don't need to and you know, in infinite universes, every there's always going to be a universe where all of them die. Yeah. And and just but like, yeah. And then there are just things in the movie where they're looking for his gearbox and they are like trying to uh, find the right model or whatever. And they there's this whole drama about they think they've found it. But it was a mislabeled box, and that's the Dark Knight of the Soul. Where, but again, I Brad like that Garrett's scene because like, it's like Brad Garrett is the person who delivers the news. I love that. It's like here's the yeah. dumb Mater ripoff character telling you your life is ruined and will never be fixed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I I like. Uh, well, I don't know. There was there. You're right. There wasn't enough death in this movie. I feel like. Dusty should have been responsible for more than just kind of inconveniencing Blade Ranger. I feel like he should have burned down the lodge. Okay. I will. I will say that uh, this this had some interesting moments. This had some interesting directing moments too. Like when Blade Ranger takes off after saving Dusty from the fire that Dusty didn't. Can I just put say out that Bob's he... Ganaway does not even have a Wikipedia page. Poor guy. All right, go on. He... Sorry. Wow, the director of Pix Disney's Planes 2. That's who Bob's is. Um, but so when Blade like takes off the morning after he saves Dusty, it's filmed like a lo- in a very long take where he lifts off and then kind of spins around like he's going to be okay. And then he does not change his expression very much, but he like pretty powerfully comes back down and hits the ground in a single shot and i thought like wow what a neat subversion there like you think it's going to be okay and then he, he really put like it really makes him look pathetic when he hits back down and then there's also the thing that's i don't know if it's hacky or whatever but it's common when west studi's telling his story around the campfire of of the legend of the car that has that a full paragraph name. about how that was culturally consulted on the Wikipedia page, which I uh, really should be making fun of, but I also just find it very bizarre that it's there because everything else is like, here's how we conceptualize the movie. Also, there was a Taco Fest studio where, he, where we proved that the film was culturally accurate. It just feels a little little <laughs> sus to me on the Wikipedia that this this is considered the most important part of production, other than conceptualizing the entire film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, well, but anyway, when he's telling that story, the camera rotates around the campfire. Well, it's not, it's, I mean, it's what happens in the opening of Reservoir Dogs. So, it's, it's, once again, some more bullshit that got reskinned with cars. Danny, 
Can I ask you a non-cars related question? Sure. Remember when you were going to read people's Apple reviews? Whatever happened to that? Well, I can quickly check Apple podcasts. Looking for the ocean. I don't think we have any. I haven't looked recently. I don't think we have any new ones. Oh, okay. Looking for the ocean. Tom and Han. Who are these guys? (laughs) Yeah, our most recent review is still bring the games back to it. Come on, guys. Add us more reviews on Apple, please. I reminded Danny that we should do it. So it's something that can happen now. Uh, Danny, do you have any other thoughts about planes? No, I don't. I'm, re- I'm ready to put the close the book on cars until we get to three. We're done. We're done. I, I, I gotta... Oh, actually, okay. no, I do have one more thought, but not on planes too. And it's on the mm. short film where I had the realization watching it like, one... It's the worst of the three plane things I've seen, but also it proves that this should have just been a TV show, really. Like this should have they should if they were gonna like spin cars off into like planes, they should have just made a TV show. It would have made more sense. Yeah, I I kind of would like to know about his adventures as a firefighter now. Although now he's like, man, it really does like the place where they live, maybe it was because of budget shit or whatever. Or it's because it's an airfield and it's just kind of empty. But, like, the place where Dusty lives just sucks. Like, it, it does not... Well, that's why I thought it was so funny where he's like, I have to become a horse. firefighter for my hometown. I was just like, man, your hometown treated you like shit in the first movie. I know your friends are there, but you're a hotshot racist. That, that's the whole thing to me, too. And I don't need to... We kind of discussed this. I just found the whole plot to be baked in this dep- depressing thing where, like, you know, the first movie is about... How he's a guy who dreams of like the big world, you know, and he gets to finally see it, and then he becomes a hotshot racer where he can always go home, sure, but the whole world is open to him. And this movie's like, actually, that's completely gone to now. You must stay in your hometown because you are injured and you will never feel better. And I was like, dang, this is crazy. I like this. And then the movie, of course, removes it at the end. It's like, well, there's no point to this. Also, uh, I'll be real. We've already. I hate that this is one of those things where it's like. I feel like the planes episode is really what brings this out on me, where it's like, what the fuck is this? Why, why am I doing this show? You know? <laughs> it's like we we just analyze this movie for forty minutes that no one ever talks about. You know, maybe Bob's Ganaway will appreciate it because we got it. Like it's not like you're a lot of episode where we're just dunking on it. I do think there's a lot to admire here, but it is ultimately just like if it came out like five years later, it'd be content. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, clearly designed yeah. to, like, just move toys, entertain yeah, you for 90 minutes, yeah. and be immediately discarded. Yeah. Well, anyway. Here on Looking for the Ocean, we like to give films things. Some some people give films a thumbs up or a star review, but we like to actually give the film an object. So, Danny, do you know what you'd like to give this film? Yeah, I wanted to give the film... A new character that's not in the film. Her name is Gabby. And long-time listeners of the podcast might get that reference, but it's also possible they don't. One previous guest definitely got the reference. And Gabby's role is going to be in it. She's going to be a boat. And she's going to be madly in love with Dusty. And once Dusty gets his sea legs, the movie will change into a romance of them just on the sea. Uh-huh. He planes water and rescue. This is my rewrite. And I'm giving Gabby to Planes Fire and Rescue. You're just like James Cameron over there. <laughs> okay. But like backwards. Anyway. All right. I'll, we'll we'll match Sigourney Weaver's there. Then, okay. Sigourney Weaver okay. can voice Gabby. <laughs> and it's going to be explicitly a a um, 21-year-old character that's voiced by 71-year-old um, Sigourney Weaver. I am going to give Planes Fire and Rescue a guitar that is like kind of beat up but like you could still play it but it's just like in bad shape but you'd still be like appreciate you'd still like to have it you know Mm -hmm. like it wouldn't be totally useless anyway what do we do next time danny well let me tell you we're gonna talk about toy story the time forgot a christmas special about toy story that may or may not have been recorded already who knows what we said or we'll say I don't. Yeah. I haven't talked about it yet. Uh, yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Looking for. I actually. I. I don't know. I like that episode. Anything it goes well. 
But anyway, <laughs> Danny's get just excited for whatever one of Danny's classics. Like, what are you talking about, Mark? What are you talking about? <laughs> there's, there's a pretty big one. In it. I'm not gonna tell you what it's about, but there's a very big like. What, Mark? What, what, what did you? Watch? I, I feel like I'm right. It's really weird. It's really weird. We're doing like a Christopher Nolan. Like this hasn't even happened yet. But I feel like I'm justified with what I said. Okay. So there anyway looking for the ocean is produced by mark young and danny vincent the show is edited by mark young yes julius will return when he's not <laughs> editing a video for time magazine this weekend next week keep dropping the marble like Julius will return <laughs> I, make, I make the exact same joke in next week's episode it's like Julius will return well I might I might have to maybe depending on if he becomes available I might have to like go back to Toy Story that time forgot and do like a a mid credit scene where you I'm should, like wait. actually Julius edited this episode what would be really I don't funny think he is might not want to because I think what you should do shit. every time I say Julius will return or you say Julius will return, you should play the <laughs> Avengers theme under it like dun 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 Julius will return. I'm not doing that. Pixar Sodas has so much copyrighted music, and I'm a, I'm I'm a little scared of doing that. And I don't you know a lot of podcasts I, have I copyrighted music, but it's okay that we don't. I, anyway. Yeah, I mean anyway, is the show is edited by me. And the art is designed by Sarah Knopf. Follow us on Facebook at Looking for the Ocean, Instagram at Looking for the Ocean Pod, and Twitter at Pixar Journey, and our website, Looking for the Ocean, Pixar.hobbingit.com. You can follow me on MarkYoungPerformer.com, where you can listen to episodes of this podcast. And I, I don't know, I'm bad at updating the news section of it, and here's a little more contemporary anyway. But this is two weeks from when my show in december is going up dunsinane also if you're getting a weird ticket link you have to go to the venue's website and search for it there because some of the ticket links that are being passed around are for like one of the days and they don't let you select other days but it is a multi-day thing so you have to like go to the venue venue page and then scroll through the dates and then you'll see other dates for our same show you can follow me danny at blank that's on letterboxd uh i have an, i have a show coming up in bedford indiana if you happen to be around there it's called how alex got her wings it's on december 15th december 16th just google it i guess i don't know those are the dates that's the title of the play bedford indiana i'm sure will come up you listen to our podcast Snub club we talk about movies with the most oscar nominations and the wins do you can you invite can you invite industry people to a high school no because it's not even at high school oh, all right okay. we'll see you next time all right bye <laughs> <laughs>